You're listening to the Zoe Turner Podcast, business and mindset conversations that will help you move from fear and uncertainty to development and growth so that you can crush both life and business. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Done some amazing challenges, 30 marathons in 30 days, winning around a track for 24 hours straight, MDS. But what I want to focus on, Marcus, today is is your love for endurance and your journey, really, and how you discovered your passion and what was the kind of one race that started the craziness for you when it comes to endurance? That's a, it's a good question. And, and I get asked it sometimes, but actually not, not enough, I don't think, because I, I always find it fascinating how people start. Like, how does this craziness, as you saw us said there, how does it start? And I think there's, there's two or three real clear points in my life. One of them was when I was quite young and my parents were into endurance sports. They were into running, into triathlon. And I just have so many great memories of, of going to running races with my mom when I was quite young, when I was like seven or eight or even younger. And, you know, my mom would win running races. Wow. And I was like, wow. That- yeah, that's really cool, you know, and she'd get this trophy and I'd try and steal it from her, you know, and I'd try and run around, yeah, that I'm the champion, but I wasn't really. And so what I put that down to, like, if you if, if you want to, where, where the fire was first started was the environment that I was in as a, as a child and having my parents take part in endurance sports, run, do triathlons and, and all their friends, so everything of their weekend often not every weekend but often was about endurance sports and you know dad would cycle maybe three or four hours and then we would meet him and maybe stay in a hotel and come back so the whole of my childhood was all about endurance sports and then it kind of it it was my journey was a little bit interesting because I, I went to boarding school and and obviously because I was decent at running because I'd run with my parents a lot, I was, I was good at school. And then I grew and rugby kind of took over my life, but I always just loved running. And it was not until about, it must've been about 2008 or 2009. And a lady came to me and she said to me, she said, I want your help. And I said, sure, what, how can I help you? And she said, I'm going to run an ultra marathon. And I was like, "Hmm, what's that? And she explained to me that she was going to run 250 kilometers in a remote part of the earth. I think the first one, she actually did two or three. And it was in the Gobi Desert. And I started to research it. And I was like, wow, this This sounds sounds really cool. (laughs) Yeah. This sounds really cool. And so I said to her, I said, let me have a look at it and, and I'll tell you if I think I can help. And I researched it and I was like, I believe in coaching from, from experience as well as from the textbooks. I think to tell someone to do something, you have to experience it. Otherwise, you have no idea what they're going through. And a lot of coaching is about an emotional connection with the athlete, with the client. And I turned around and I said to her, I said, I've never done one of these things. 
I know I can help you from a nutrition standpoint, from a physical training standpoint, but I can't really connect on, on the emotional side as to what you're going to be going through. But I'm willing to help you as almost as a learning experience, if you're okay with that. And she was like, I would love that. And I'm going, wow, that's amazing. So I started helping this lady and it was probably about a year or two later that two other guys started talking to me about Marathon de Sable, which is 250 kilometers across the Sahara Desert. And I just started reading about it and I was like, this, this just looks incredible. So that was really where I, they're sort of the three telling points, I think, in my life that I can put it down to where I really started researching a bit more about endurance and then just, I just knew, I just knew that I'd end up doing this stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because there was that point in my life where I was, I was obviously playing rugby and I wasn't doing much. I was still running, but I wasn't doing a lot. And then, you know, these, those in 2008, 2009, it was just like bang. Let's talk about MDS. Um, we share a love for endurance. Like I don't do much of it now. And there's a reason for that. However, I have not the crazy distances you've run in the past, but every week I used to be out with the Waddies. I was the first yeah. person that Lee Harris took out you know, when he formed the trail runners, he'd be yeah, going yeah, out yeah. there every week on his own, like moving rocks and, you know, and like running these crazy distances. He was like, do you want to come? And I, and I loved it. And that's how the trail runners were formed. And wow, um, wow. MDS was always a race that I wanted to do. Whether or not it's something I'd do in the future, I don't know, but it was always something I really wanted to do. How was MDS? It's incredible. It's very difficult. And this is the thing, Zoe, a lot of these things are, I'm not very, <laughs> I try to explain things to people, but a lot of the time I'm like, it's one of those things that you almost have to, I'm going to try and explain it, yeah. but it's one of those things that you almost have to experience. You can't, and I was doing a talk yesterday, I was talking to a small group yesterday and we were talking, they asked me about MDS and I was like, you know, I went to the Sahara thinking that it was a desert and that deserts had sand in them, which it does have a bloody shit ton of sand in it. Don't get me wrong. It's terrain though, but MDS, isn't it? There's all sorts. Mm -hmm. You've got mountains, you've got salt flats, you've got trails, you've mm -hmm. got sand, you've mm -hmm. got, you've, you've literally got everything. And I had quite an interesting moment back there in, in 2015 where I really just stopped in the middle of nowhere and you're, you're literally, you're hundreds of kilometers from any civilization. And I just looked around and there was, at this point we're on like a salt flat and the earth was parted. There was a big sort of gap in the earth that just went down. And I just stood there and I thought, wow, what actually are we on this earth? What, what are we doing here? Are we supposed to be here? And you go through all these really deep sort of moments that are just so powerful. And then the next minute you're back in the race and there's a thousand people going through the Sahara all in one line, all carrying their own equipment, all going through the same pain, the same highs, the same lows. And it's just 
absolutely incredible. There's no signal for mobile phones. There's no connection with the outside world. There's no showers. There's no nothing. You're just there with your backpack, which has everything you need to survive for eight days. Did you ever feel like, just... did you ever feel like letting that flare off? No. No. <laughs> I was just wondering how tough did it really get? Did you did it ever cross your mind? No. No. That's the thing. Yeah. That, I think that's one of the biggest things. Like one of my biggest, if you could say what am I most upset about in the world right now, mm-hmm. it's the amount of choice that we have. Mm. Choice is making us weak. Choice is making everyone weak and it's giving us what we know, decision fatigue. We're having to make over 30,000 decisions a day. And there's way too much choice. If you give yourself a choice to press the eject button or not to, you're already halfway to failure. There was only one reason why I was going to the Sahara. That was to finish the race. Mm. There's only one reason why I'll start something. And we hear this all the time. People have contingency plans and plan Bs. And if you're one of those people, I love you. I still love you. It's okay. But to me, it just doesn't work. I'm very... I'm very single-minded. I'm probably not intelligent enough to focus on plan A, B, C, D, and E. I just yeah, want plan just A. It. Just do it, you know? And, and, and this is the thing is that I think when we give ourselves a choice of, okay, I know, I know I've got an ejector button. I know I've got an emergency. I know I can get out of here. Then we already, that'll just eat away. It'll start from the exactly. back of the skull. Yeah, and it'll just come all the way forward. And I think that's what's happening now in in in, in the world. We just, you know, and and I see it with kids. When I was five years old and six years old, I wasn't given an option. I was told like, "You're going to have this. This is the way it's going to be." Now you can say for right or for wrong, Joe, but I just think choice is just huge at the moment, and and it's it's causing us all sorts of problems. So that was the same in the Sahara. We were going to get to the end. I mean, listen, we had to walk. We had to crawl. It wasn't all plain sailing. <laughs> you know, it was, there was carnage along the way, but there was no way that I wasn't getting to the end of it. Yeah, 100%. Giving, in those situations, giving up just isn't an option. My friend ran the Sahara, and, and he was. He, he said he was about to light that flare. Whether or not, this is what he talks about in his motivational talks, whether or not he would have done, I don't know. But he said on that moment he was going to light that flare. A a blind man ran past, and apparently he runs it every year, the Korean blind man. English gentleman who who was blind, who was running the year I was running. So, you know, there's... There's a lot. And Serrano Fines was running and he was like was 74 he? years old. Wow. How yeah. awesome. Yeah. And what was, so, what was uh, he like? Did you, did you? Yeah, he's super nice. Yeah. We had a chat and, you know, he's there with his, like half his hand cut off and, you know, cause he's only, he's cut, he cut a few of his fingers off in the, in his, in, in his shed and, and, you know, so that, it's just, and that's what's, that's what's interesting. The most interesting thing about endurance sports, you get to meet, people that and and I often say we have a a huge endurance community here at Inner Fight and you sometimes sit and and I sit back and I look at people that are around a table having a cup of coffee or something or going for a run together I'm like you just would never pair these people together 
You know, it's it's almost like inviting 10, pe 10 random people to a dinner party sort of thing. You would just never think that they're going to be together. But we come together through this love of endurance sports, which in my opinion is a love of self-discovery. We want it, we're curious and we want to know more about ourselves, our limits, our motivation. We want to continue to learn. And that's a common goal in all those people. And, you know, there's blind people, there's people without legs, there's people without arms, there's white people, black people. It doesn't matter, thin people, fat people. It's irrelevant. There is no... You know, and, and it's kind of like how how we conduct our business here in a fight. I don't care how old you are. I don't mm -hmm. care what your ability is. I don't care if your legs are working or they're not. Skin color, nothing. It doesn't even matter because this is our purpose is so much bigger. And our purpose in endurance is curiosity and self-discovery. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And that's what's amazing. Let's talk about in a fight. How did How did that come about? What was the motivation behind you starting in a fight? And where is in a and how is in a fight doing at the moment with everything that's going on with COVID? We're I'll answer the second question first yeah. and then the first question second. Right now, things are great. It was it's been a very challenging year for, for everybody. Mm. What we identified a year ago was that people would need what I spoke about earlier, emotional support. And we went very fast into helping people emotionally through fitness. We identified that health was going to be super important. And I we just took our game up. We just supported yeah. people. We created more touch points. We created more community. And now, I mean, things, listen, Zoe, I, Things are not perfect. It's been a very tough year, but I measure our success based on the number of people that I see getting better at life. And right now, lots of people are getting a lot better. And really, that's how it started. It was back in 2004, 2005. Similar story to, 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 to the endurance story when a guy said to me, well, it's a longer story, but essentially he needed help. And I said that I'd help him. And I got, I just get a lot of pleasure out of, of, of helping people for, for I'm, I'm quite self-centered, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm self-motivated. I'm self, and I think to be self-motivated and, and perhaps as strict as, as I am a lot of the time, you have to be quite selfish, but I also care a lot about other people. And, you know, that's really, if I look at all of the sort of turning points of, of my life, how inner fight started, how I got into sort of ultras, they're all because I, I agreed to help other people. And I started training one guy who was incredibly overweight and he was 135 kilos. And I remember in the first week that we were training together, he said, it's my goal to be your training partner. And I, I admit inside, I, I sort of laughed a little bit. I was like, uh, okay, yeah, that's cool. And, and I was like, you know what? That gave me fire for me to train him so well that he would be able to be my training partner. And because a load of people saw what I'd done with him, more people start to come. And it, it's kind of a case of, I think it's a case of if you build it, they come. And, and you know, a lot of time we're, we're all about immediate gratification. How do I grow my coaching business from zero to 300 clients in 12 months? How do I do this? How do I make it faster? Yeah. You know, I speak to a lot of junior coaches at the moment or people just moving into be it personal training or any role of coaching. Like I spent the first, I've been coaching for over 20 years and I don't think I took any money for coaching 
for at least the first six or seven years, I just coached people and I just tried, tried my ways, you know, and I made mistakes and I listened to people, I got feedback. And then in 2008, I started the brand and that wasn't for money either. It was, I just shared my training program. So the training that I was doing, I was just sharing it online to a point in 2010 when I was working for Nike and I was like, you know what? My passion is, is helping people. My passion is human behavior. I'm curious about human behavior, why we react the way we react, why we take care of our health or don't take care of our health in the various ways. And I said, I'm going to make this my, my living. And I already had the brand platform. So it was, it was partially easier, you could say, but because I've done a lot of the work before. And yeah, I went on my own and it's over 10 years now. And, and you know, right now we're, we're a 7,000 square foot facility here in Studio City in Dubai. And, you know, we have 250 to 300 endurance clients. We have a few hundred members at the gym. We're not big. We're, you know, we, we don't have over 600 members. Like we're not a big, but we're a community-based mm. brand and a community-based fitness brand. And we know everyone's name and we, people come here because it's human nature to want to be part of something. And we're, I liken it to, we're all foreigners here in Dubai. And, you know, in, in the UK, you'd go to things like your, your village fate or something happening at your town hall. And that's where you get friends. That's where you get community. But that doesn't really exist here in Dubai. So we've kind of tried to take those things. And from my team sport background, we've taken those things, we've implemented them here, that we can forge friendships within the gym that can flourish outside and it fits in with our vision we just want to help people to get better and become better human beings and it's kind of working and it's a lot of fun yeah I love that you say it's a community and that's very much as an outsider I've never trained in your gym but I know a lot of people that have and as an outsider looking in that is how it seems and it's really nice when you know I'm out and about and I'm running and I see your the inner fight t-shirts you know (laughs) and I think people have you know, the some people maybe have the opinion that everyone who goes to Inner Fight is super fit because you do have some really fit athletes there. But you see, I see all shapes and sizes in your T-shirts, and that is awesome. That's really awesome yeah. to see. And, you know, yeah. they've all got one thing in common, I guess, and that's the grit and determination. But it's... And that's what we say. You, you, you've actually given a real good summary. We We are all shapes and sizes, mate. Like... We've worked with people that are 180, 200 kilos. I still have people in my gym that can't run 500 meters without stopping. But, you know, that's absolutely fine because they're here and they're doing it and they possess what you said. To us, if they, if they can gel with our values of, of fun and hard work and honesty, simplicity, mental strength, all of these things, then we can help them to get better. And that's the thing. Like, Everyone, for someone 500 meter run is, is their Everest. For someone else, 100K run is their Everest. And every single, that's what's beautiful. God made us all, or our creator made us all so unique. So why are we comparing ourselves with each other? It doesn't matter. And a lot of people say to me, I can't come to your gym. You're all too, sh-. no, we're not. You think we are. And that's an excuse you're using to stop yourself from coming in. If you want to have fun, you want to work hard, come and see us, you know, and, and that's, that's what we've said since the start. I mean, obviously, sometimes, don't get me wrong, Zoe, sometimes I put it out on social media and, and it scares people the way that we do things. But maybe that's just a marketing plan. I speak to a lot of 
endurance athletes and one question that I always ask them and, and I want to ask you this question too because I have my own opinion on this answer because I've experienced it myself and that yeah. is do you think that endurance sports masks emotional pain and no and, and I think it you depends. know what I'm getting at when I ask this question, because we tire yeah. ourselves out so much physically that we don't yeah. have the time to really think about what's going on in our lives, and it can just get put on the back burner. Yeah, you're absolutely right on, 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 on both things, but not everyone that is doing endurance sports is masking emotional baggage, so to speak. Some definitely are. Some are using endurance sports to address emotional issues. Some people will become more emotionally aware and therefore better humans, better mothers, fathers, daughters, sons, whatever, because through endurance sports, they're able to become more emotionally aware. And that's what's really incredible. Other people go into endurance sports and realize that if they're not emotionally aware that endurance sport could crush them because endurance sport for a lot of people is driven by ego but successful endurance athletes are not driven by ego they're driven by something a lot lot deeper which is emotional awareness That's... so it's it's Sorry, a really on. interesting no it, it's a super interesting mm -hmm. question and i think and, and that's what makes it so interesting. If we go back to what I said, those eight to 10 people sat around a table having a coffee, every single one of them, we slowly learn about their story and why they're there. And so many people come because of, they think that they're addressing one issue, but then they, which is normally weight loss or health, you know, I wanna be healthier, I wanna be a little bit fitter. But then through endurance sports or even just through working out, they get answers to literally a plethora of questions that, that they've had, which that to me is super, super powerful. When I used to train a lot, like crazy distances, I never did it properly in terms of nutrition, the recovery. And if you're doing all this properly, then mentally I think you're going to be better up here. But I know yeah. I was just wiped out all the time. And, yeah. um, and it's so easy to forget about things that you have going on in your life. Remember, you know, I was always having problems with my properties in the UK and I just didn't even face them when I was training. You know, oh. the only time I'd think about them when I was lying in bed on a night, <laughs> but then I was just like yeah. so tired, you know, that I just go to sleep. So. Yeah, it is super interesting. And, and that's where, as I said, everyone is so unique. And that's why I think as human beings, it's important that we ask interesting questions to people and then listen to the answers. Because I've learned so much from, from, from the clients that, I, that I've coached or that have come through our, our coaching structure here, just by asking them questions and by listening. And, you know, we've all had Dubai is quite, an, and, and not just Dubai, but the world is an interesting melting pot of experiences. And, you know, most of the people that, that I work with are 35 upwards. That's quite a lot of experience of life. You know, we don't all 
despite people saying they go through life with their eyes closed, they don't. You know, people, it's just that we don't have the patience to ask them the right questions and listen to the answers and to draw out their experiences in the right way. But the point here is simple, that we learn so much from others if we're ready to ask questions and listen to the answers and then ask more questions, which that doesn't often happen. Where do you get your inspiration from, Marcus, when you're, when you're training? And do you have, is there any specific tactics or techniques? Or is every race different? Is there something that you do that really keeps you going when the going gets tough? The answer is, is twofold. And I think it starts way before the race, the event, or whatever it is. I believe that we're we're a product of our environment. We're a product of our habits. So I think you have to look every day at what you do. And I believe that if you prepare correctly for, for races, yes, they're going to be challenging. And yes, there are going to be times, but that, that you sort of, you, you ask yourself some, some questions. However, if your preparation for the race, if it's a three-month dial-in to a race or an event, if that is really on point, starting a race is just, it's just the icing on the cake. It's just beautiful because you've done everything. You haven't skipped a training session. You've taken care of your body by good sleep. You've eaten well. You've read the right books. You've taken care of all your equipment. You should be on the start line of the race thinking, this is it. This is everything I've trained for. And Honestly, when we work with athletes that do everything, the race is the easy part. And I'll say that to people and be like, what do you mean? Watch. It's way harder, Zoe, to wake up at 4.30 a.m. 67 times in preparation for that race than it is to do that race. You've done all the hard yards. And that's what people don't quite buy into and quite understand the importance of the training program which is which is the process which is what we're living every single day now when it comes to the race yes you're going to push harder yes it's going to be you know i mean i i give you an example we're doing a challenge out in al Qudra in in summer last year and on the last bit we'd been out there for about eight hours and on the last bit it was like 54 degrees but because you've done this training and because you're somehow have a relaxed mindset okay it's 54 degrees what do we do you know and of course like the rational mind saying okay stop this this is stupid but you're like no we trained for this we've done all of this training what's the smart thing to do right now just back off a little bit you know if you fight it and you keep trying to run at a pace that that you thought you could run at or ride at a pace that you thought you could ride at. If you fight against it, you're never going to win. You have to have this cool mindset that says, okay, what's going on? Let's just back off. And so that's how I approach it. And that's how I think people should really understand it, that the things that you do every day, the process makes you strong when it comes to the challenges because you've, you've trained yourself in a way that you can get through it. I miss that. I miss that so much. Just the, I mean, look, I still train, but just that kind of going up to Al Quadro and doing like the 100K on the bike and doing the really long runs and doing it consistently and doing it with your friends. And it's, there's just something that is really special about that. 
Yeah, it is. And that's that's what you know, I, I saw a lot of people when I sort of when I when I guess when I moved more into the endurance scene, I, I, I used to hear a lot of people would come to me and say, Can you help me? I said, Okay, what's what's going on? They say, I hate my training. I'm like, What? You hate your training? Okay, why? You know, and then the next person would come and can you help me? Yes, okay, what's going on? I hate my training. I just can't wait for this to be over. I'm like You've committed six months of your life to do something truly special, be it run a marathon, half Ironman, whatever it is, and we're five months in and you hate it? What, what is that? You know, I want people to wake up in the morning and go, yes, I can't wait to get on my bike this morning. This is absolutely it. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm excited about. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, listen, Zoe, I don't wake up every day doing backflips out of bed. Most days, because I'm focused, like this morning, I, I, I was on my bike, I woke up five o'clock, I can't wait for the session to start at six, like I'm genuinely excited about it. And I think if we can, but there's a reason why I am, because I'm in touch with, with, my, with my motivation, with my why, if we can unlock that in people, but the sad reality is, a lot of people sign up for a marathon, a 10K, a sprint distance triathlon, an Ironman, for the wrong reasons. And it goes back to what you were saying before, they're masking emotional imbalances. Maybe my marriage is not going in the right way. I'll do this to somehow put me back on track. So what really is the motivation? Have they, have they dug into it? A lot of people, not they haven't. And that, it's a tough one because where we're at mentally is a product of our, of our life and of our subconscious. And so to, to unpick that can actually be quite painful. And we have to really, I, I've used this example quite a lot recently. Hopefully it works for, 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 for the listeners, but it's almost like an onion. When you take the skin off an onion, it doesn't make you cry. But when you keep peeling the layers off this onion and you get down to the juicy stuff in the core, literally when you're chopping it, you're crying like hell. And humans are very similar. If we want to go really deep inside and, and, and ask these deep questions and say, so Zoe, tell me a little bit about childhood. What, how were you treated by your friends, by your family? Are there any points of your childhood that actually stand out? Were you bullied in school? All of these things will form subconscious behaviors that somehow lock you into what you become as an adult. And if we want to unlock it, we have to open the onion right up. And it's, it's super deep, but it's incredibly powerful. And it's so freeing when you get it out. You know, and the other week, and someone asked me if I was bullied at school. And I was like, that's just an amazing question. Thank you for asking that. Were you bullied at you school? Know? Yeah, I was. Because I was so rude to people. <laughs> I was bullied all the time. And it's had an effect on me. And I know it has really interesting what I love about endurance is that it's like you say it's like peeling the layers off an onion and it really makes you I've always said it's such a raw sport so whereas ego yeah. might get you into endurance when you're actually out there it becomes less about the physical but more about the mental or maybe a, a mixture of both I don't think ego comes into that then because it's just so raw, it just strips you bare. Yeah. And yeah. and it's it's really 
difficult when you're training with a group of people and you're doing challenges, especially when you're there are events like multi-day events. It's really difficult to hide. It's difficult to hide who you are because it, it shows the truth in our personalities and, and who we are. And, and I think that's what, what I love about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I mean, even if you don't make it through an event, you pull out, that also shows some of your true colors and shows that you haven't dealt with certain things because you can, and, and, and I've seen this a lot. I see people pull out of a multi-stage race or, or pull out of a, of a, of a single-stage race, you know, a shorter race, and, oh, my, my hamstring was, was, was torn. But then half an hour later, they're walking around. It's yeah. like, mate, if your hamstring was torn, then you can't walk, you know? And, and, but it's like they just want to end their suffering because if they continued in their suffering, then they'd have to answer some questions and they're not ready to answer the questions yet. And I don't want to sound too harsh on people. Like, it's natural. I, I've actually also pulled out of a, the, the first ultra I did, I pulled out of about 160, 170 kilometers into it. And, you know, I, it was a very tough time for me after that because I, I then had to, I knew I had to answer those questions. I knew I had to do some, as, as we kind of know it in, 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 in simple terms, some soul searching. And I had to, you know, I had to dig a little bit deep and I had to figure out why I'd pulled out and, you know, was it because of the training or did I just not want to suffer any longer? And why didn't I want to suffer any longer? And it was an interesting time, you know, and, 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 and some, some nights I'd, I'd wake up thinking about it. It sort of, it haunts you in, in a way. But these are all, and these are all the fascinating things about, about humans and about human behavior and, and, and why we do the things that we do. And, and that's really what fascinates me in, in you could say, in endurance sports and, and also in the job that I call it a job. I don't know if my job's a job, but anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, it's absolutely fascinating. I listened to your podcast. I think it was with a guy called Chris. Yes, Chris there was, Williamson. There was one thing that you said that really resonated with me. I listened to the whole podcast, and this was one thing that really stuck out, and, and it got me thinking. And it was when you said when you were talking about injury and progress, we give ourselves mm. a hard time. But if we track our progress, we can see how far we have come. And that got me thinking because I, you know, I was thinking not just about injuries, but I was also applying that to life as well. You know, maybe if you're on a business journey and, you know, and yeah. I was thinking about everything that I've been trying to achieve this year and I give myself a hard time for not achieving it. But then if, if I literally just think back to where I was a year ago, it's like, mm. oh my gosh, like, look how far you've actually come in that space of time. And we just don't yeah. do that often enough. We don't, and I think one of the, the major issues that we don't do that, Zoe, is we, we, we have these moments, right, where we think we can take on the world, and we start writing, we fill our notebooks, or however we visualize things, and we put it all down. But we don't actually realize how much time it will take us to achieve those 25 different points that we've put in. And then we don't track it. So we're sort of in this lost world that there's no real sort of structure and accountability. Whereas if you said, okay, I realized after six months that I couldn't do these 25 things in a year, 
but I really focused on point one to five and I'm doing a really good job. And actually that's taking 12 hours a day, six days a week. Then there's got to be a little bit of reality that kicks in and says, well, hang on a minute. You, you've actually done really well. And this is really the case. It, it really strengthens the case for some form of coach in some form or shape. Now, that could be like in business, we have business coaches. In fitness, we have personal trainers. In life, we have life coaches. You have to figure out what sort of coach is going to help you because you, everyone needs accountability unless you're incredibly well-disciplined. Accountability is, is one of the main things, and it's hard to put a price on it because it's literally invaluable. But often, we think we can do it on our own. It's ego-driven. We think that we're, you know, getting help is, is weakness. We're not vulnerable enough. And we just go and then we're like, well, I haven't actually done what I wanted to do. And it's like, well, actually, you've done a lot, you know. Some people are lazy and some people watch way too much Netflix and play too much time on social media. Don't get me wrong. That is absolutely guaranteed. But a lot of people, they're, they're doing what they, I mean, what they can do. I'm guilty of that sometimes, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so Marcus, yeah. you do a lot of challenges that a lot of people fear. A lot of people think that is possibly possibly impossible, if that sounds right. What do, what, do, what do you fear? What's your greatest fear in life? I think I've got a couple. One of them is that I would let my family down by not living correctly. I think that's one of one of my biggest motivations. I've been given an, an incredible platform to be successful by both my, my parents and, and also by my wife. And they've sacrificed a lot. All three of them have sacrificed a lot so I can do what I want to do. And I never would want to feel like I've, I've let them down. Also, my, I think one of my biggest fears is, is, is not living and I define living by waking up every morning, feeling great and going out and doing the things that, that I want to do and that make me happy. I see way too many people waking up every morning feeling like crap and going to do things that they hate. And that, I'm scared, you know, that, that's, that's horrible, you know, and I, I, I think I've struck quite a good balance to, for that not to happen. And I, I think that's really it. I, I mean, I think there's a way to do everything, you know, if, if, what did we do recently? We sent Arabs to Mars. If we can do that, like, I don't really think there's much that we need to be afraid of. Like, you can figure it out. We can make humans faster. We can make humans slower if, if we need to. We can emotionally balance people. We can unlock subconscious behaviors. We've, we're proven you just need to be in the right environment to do it. There's, there's, no need, there, there's a lot of people that go through life way too scared. You know, and, and, and actually they're, they're scared of, of achieving great things because yeah. they just don't think it's for them. And, and that's very sad, you know. So I just, you know, my, that, that, yeah, they're the only two fears that, that I really have. I, I don't want to let my family down and I, I want to live every day. You mentioned, uh, thank you for that. You meant, and I like the fact that you answer that. I always wonder when I ask that question to a guy whether or not they're going to say, I don't have any fears. And I love it when men, when men are really, because some guys do say that. I love it when men are really open about that. And they're like, yeah, yeah I, I fear this. You spoke earlier, Marcus, about your why, that you're very clear about your why. What is your why? I'm going to ask you two questions in one again. What is your mm. why? 
And you also alluded earlier to kind of God created us and put us on mm. this planet. Do you feel that you're, per are you the person now that God created you to be? Wow, that second one's brilliant. The first one, I'll, I'll, I'll hear, it, it's quite straightforward. I'm, I'm curious to figure out what, why we're here. That's, that fuels a lot of my motivation around, you can, you can link it in with, with human potential, you can link it in with, with many different things, but I'm very curious about humans and, and, and the human body and mind and, and how it works. And I think I've got a certain skill set to unlock that in myself and, and in other people. And, and that motivates me incredibly. And the second question, I don't know. Like, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a little bit of a, a, of a timeline on this. You know, you go to school and they tell you where you came from and then they talk about evolution. And then when I went to boarding school, we were quite strict Church of England school. And you sort of, you sort of get, you know, you get into that side of things and then you, you sort of grow up and you start to question what's going on a bit. And then, I don't know, does anyone know? Like, is this what we, does it change? You know, and then you sort of think, well, 15 years ago, I was, I was working in the corporate world. I was working for Adidas. I loved it. Honestly, loved every single minute of it. It was, it was some of the best years of my life. Was, but then 15 years later, this conversation. So I just think we need to stay. And, and I think this is, it, it really loops back to a lot what we're talking about with endurance people. I just think we need to stay super open-minded, try and ask people good questions, try and listen, and then just stay curious, keep having fun and cool stuff happens. And, you know, where, where's it all going? I have no clue. On a deeper level, I, I change my mind every single day. So I don't know. It's a, that's a really tough question. Okay, thank you for that. You alluded earlier that your mom, she's been very influential to your journey, both your parents. Sounds like you've mm. been surrounded by some pretty full, powerful woman in, women in your life which is yeah. impacted. There's like your mom and then there's your wife. Your wife's very much into fitness too and She's yeah. an entrepreneur. You both started, I think it was Smith Street back in 2015. Yeah. How crucial have these significant women been in your life? It's probably hard to describe it. It really, it's incredibly hard. I, you know, it, it's funny because mum used to, mum used to give me a real hard time when I was younger and I used to eat a lot. I was never overweight. I've never been overweight. And mom almost used to bully me when I was younger. And, and she used to keep telling me that if I keep eating, I'm going to get fat. If I keep eating, I'm going to get fat. I was like, mom, what are you, what are you doing about? But, you know, she, she, she just did incredible. She's always just done, even till this day, she just does incredible things for me. And she still sends me messages in, you know, just random just like I'm 12 years old sort of messages, yeah. you know? <laughs> and it's like, you know, she's, she's sort of fully embraced tech and, and, and you know, when she, she's always sending me new apps to talk to her on and, you know, so, yeah, absolutely huge. And then with Holly as well, like, we, we met in 2003 and, and we've been together since then. And, and it's just, I think it's, 
I always, I think that was probably one of my fears when I was, when I was sort of a teenager, when, you know, you're sort of growing up and you realize that people get married and you live together and, you know, all this. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't know how it's going to go. And yeah, when we met, it was just like, it just went well. And, and as I said, I, I guess I'm probably quite selfish in, in some of the things that I've, I've wanted to do. Uh, but I'll always ask her what she thinks and her opinion. I won't always agree with it, but I'll always listen and I'll always try and see it from her side. And, you know, she's an incredibly strong human being. She's, I, I guess, probably the hardest thing was sort of, you know, when, when I had my, my crash and one of the guys I was with had to call her and tell her to come to the hospital. And, you know, I think about that a lot. I'm like, that must, that must have just been horrific. Like, it must have just been awful. And she came and she was just, she was just perfect. She, she wasn't emotional. She wasn't crying. She, you know, mom comes in and they open up the curtain. I'm in ICU and mom's just like in floods of tears. She thinks I'm going to die, you know, and no, no one really knew. And Holly came in and she was just like, and I was like, how are you so strong? You know, and, 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 and she's, uh, she's, yeah, they're both, they're both just incredible Zoe. And, and, and I think I can, I constantly learn a lot from both of them and they can still teach me a lot because they just know so much that I don't know. And I think that's one of the, that's one of the things that I've always, like, I know, I know quite a lot of things, but I also know that I, don't know a lot of things as well you know and and so to have those two people in my life is just it's unbelievable it really is that's awesome this is going to be my last question to you Marcus because I think we've just gone a little bit over time and um, I know you're busy and you've been training this morning I'd just like to know (laughs) how do you connect with your heart yeah You've asked me some good questions. I think, I think, you know, I think it's a little bit, that's probably based on, on, on who you are and, and different things. But for, for me, I follow a lot of daily sort of rituals, different times of just stillness yeah. that I'll follow every day. I'll follow different habits that, that I maintain with Holly as well. One of them I think is, is, is really powerful. Every day we'll eat dinner together. And nothing, nothing's ever off limits. Like sometimes it's just talking about the day, but we'll never really, I'm not one to want to put stuff off. If, if there's a problem or if there's something that I want to address, we'll talk about it. So I think you connect with yourself, with your heart by, by having those conversations. And, you know, they don't always go good sometimes, especially when it's your wife and then emotion comes into it as well you know, you sort of, you, you, you end up having quite deep conversations and opinions come into it and it's all quite, gets quite interesting and quite heated. But I think to really, if you're not having those sorts of conversations and, and if you're not spending just uninterrupted time with yourself and with others is the key to, to connecting with who you really are. And in a world that's incredibly noisy, I think, we're losing our focus on doing that and we need to up our game a lot. So that's kind of how I do it. It works like for me, there's other ways as well, but that's kind of what works. And 
I feel I feel pretty connected. Thank you for being such an amazing guest, and I could talk to you for another hour, um, but I know you, <laughs> I know you have to go. And just thanks for your time. I really appreciate, it. and it's so good that we that we got to get together because I've I wanted to ask you a year ago to come on to this podcast, but um, okay. I think I was a little bit shy, so I never asked you. <laughs> That's one thing you just have to ask. <laughs> exactly. If you don't ask, you don't get, do you? Yeah, exactly. So, no, Mark, thank, thank you so much. I appreciate it. They were great questions. Thank you so much. And good luck. We never mentioned this, but good luck in your next race. Your next race thank is you so in much. Spain. And all the best for that. I'll be following your progress. Have an amazing thank day. You so much. Take care. Thanks bye a lot, Zoe. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.